Broken Boxes podcast is proud to present the final episode in a series of interviews featuring participants and their respondents from the socially engaged project Hashtag Call Response. This episode was recorded live at Grunt Gallery in Vancouver, BC, and features conversation with co-organizers Tara Hogue, Maria Hutfield, and Tanya Willard, along with respondents Cheryl Lorandell and Ivy Castellanos. Strategically centering Indigenous women as vital presences across multiple platforms, Hashtag Call Response is a multifaceted project which includes a website, social media platform, touring exhibition, and catalog. The project brings together five local art commissions by Indigenous women artists across Canada, including Christy Belcourt, Maria Hupfield, Ursula Johnson, Tanya Willard, Lackaluk Williamson Bathory. Each artist has invited a guest to respond to their work, including Isaac Murdoch, Ivy Castellanos, and Esther Neff, Cheryl Lorandell, Marcia Crosby, and Tanya Tagak. Hashtag Call Response is co-organized by Tara Hogue, Maria Hutfield, and Tanya Willard, and produced in partnership with Grunt Gallery, and generously supported by the Reconciliation Initiative of the Canada Council for the Arts, the J.W. McConnell Family Foundation, and the Circle on Philanthropy and Aboriginal Peoples in Canada. Additional presentation partners include Bush Gallery, Emily Carr University of Art and Design, Fado Performance Art Centre, Kamloops Art Gallery, OFFTA Live Art Festival, the National Arts Centre, and the Native Education College. My name is Tara Hogue. I work as a curator at the Grant Gallery, and I am one of the co-organizers of the Hashtag Call Response Project. I'm Maria Hupfield. I'm an artist slash co-organizer for the Hashtag Call Response Project. Right. Uh, request Tanya Willard. My name is Tanya Willard, and I am uh, one of the also the artists and co-organizers of Hashtag Call Response. Um, but also deeply grateful for Tara's role in really pulling a lot of administrative things together. So co is like, I don't know if that's exactly <laughs> an equal enough kind of, it, I feel like indebted to many of the people in this project for making it happen. Because certainly if it was only myself doing this project, it would not have happened. <laughs> so that collaborative role to actually support each other and get things done has been so amazing. Um, I'm Ivy Castellanos, and I'm a respondent to Maria Hatfield. I'm an artist. That's a Cheryl Arondel and say guys one. I'm Cheryl Arondel, and I'm a respondent to Ursula Johnson. 
Let's go into a little bit of the history of the project. Maybe, um, Tara, if you want to uh, lead us into just a, a brief recap on uh, when this all started and how you all came to be together to create this work. And maybe tell everybody where we are right now at this moment. Sure. Right now we are sitting in the amenities room adjacent to Grant Gallery. And it's the first day that the exhibition is open and we've just come from an amazing full day of performances and gathering to share and to talk and to eat. And it's been such a wonderful experience to have uh, finally come to this moment, which feels like a beginning. And that's something that um, is really profound for me and really so exciting to think about where the project is going from here. Uh, we've been working on call response for the past year. Was it September when we got together on Wasson Island in 2015? We gathered together with the other projects that were funded from the reconciliation Reconciliation Initiative of the Canada Council, the J.W. McConnell Family Foundation, and the Circle on, on Aboriginal Peoples in Canada. I said that wrong, but so these were the three main funders that came together to create this really amazing initiative that allowed us to take control of exactly who we wanted to engage with through this project and gave us the support to then in turn support the work that Indigenous women are doing all across Turtle Island. Right now we are gathered on the unceded ancestral and traditional territories of the Musqueam, the Squamish, and the Tsleil-Waututh peoples. And we are so grateful to be here today on this territory and these lands. And last night at the opening reception, we were very graciously welcomed in by three women from the territory, Cecilia Point from Musqueam, Cassandra Smith from Tsleil-Waututh, and Cease Weiss from Squamish. So after yesterday, it was a full day of programming. Um, and let's let's talk about that let's like decompress maybe uh, maybe maria do you want to talk about your experience of yesterday um as a co-organizer and also as an artist who created a performative work that was um that was shown yesterday what what's something that's in your heart right now today that you can share with us well i think i'm still kind of blissed out from the whole day and um, momentum that kind of came together. Um, even though it was a full day of programming, it didn't feel like a full day in the usual sense of programming, like the different performances were in different spaces. Um, yeah, I'm still, I, I don't know if I can actually like fully articulate the way I, um, it was just incredible to have so many um, people together in the same space, I think it's so rare. So often um, you would think that we would be able to gather together 
all the time and hang out. But because of the geography of the land, people are really spread out. We're often in competition with each other. You know, like who's the one um, Native woman performance artist who's, who we're going to have? Well, if Cheryl's not available, then maybe we'll ask Maria. Then maybe we'll ask, you know. Um, so it was so great to be able to see the work and think about being centered around the work, the ongoing work that everyone's been doing all over the place. Yeah. Mm. And um, Tanya, can you can you talk about your experience from yesterday? I mean, I know you were in the gallery all day um, working on your piece and also um, helping to put put all of the work up and. And how did yesterday? How did yesterday feel to you, coming from so many, so many other points of work that you're going through right now? How, how what's your reflection and your feeling from yesterday? Well, firstly, I think I'm maybe a co-disorganizer. <laughs> so I even sent a disclaimer ahead of arriving in person that I just felt like, uh, and I, and I, I guess I heard this sort of echoed back that when we're self-employed, when we're doing creative work, when we're doing performative work, other kinds of things, we're called on to be so many places and to actually create in so many spaces where you're navigating different kinds of institutions where we're not actually um, there to support each other all the time. We're navigating in spaces where we might be the only indigenous person in that space and I think the strongest thing for me yesterday was to have support like I fell apart a little bit and uh and it's not normal for me actually to be so public in that kind of falling apart I usually can hold it together really well so and it was so beautiful to have people just help me not hold it together but help me like make sure it all kind of went back in one piece <laughs> I could <laughs> fall apart but know that I would be put back uh, and that was really beautiful. I wouldn't have felt safe anywhere else to do that. So I think that's the key is that I can hold it together in lots of other places because I don't feel safe to let that, you know, that much out or whatever. So, yeah. So I think that what Maria is saying about that not having to be in competition, right? Not that you feel competition, but you're placed in this world and this system of working where not every artist is going to have recognition, not every artist is going to be able to show, not every curator gets to show at the gallery that has the support and the funding for what you want to do. So, yeah, I think overall I felt sort of um, guilty about my privilege in terms of being able to be with all of the people in this room who are doing such important work and all the also people who came to see the exhibition so that I felt like that the importance of that idea of call response of responding of of being in you know communication and collaboration was just really just rippled and was a beginning Ursula Johnson said at some point last night she said well we made the call Mm. <laughs> and you know that, and so that is the beginning. You know, we also made responses, but that was also kind of part of just this beginning. So, yeah, yeah. And it seems like this project is a call to um, re-identifying with this this subject that you've touched on regarding this competitive aspect of indigenous art and females in art. You know, and that that we uh, so often are pitted against each other. So 
So can we talk about maybe how that, that this project can be something that people can follow? Like what, what are some of the main threads that you all were conscious of when you created this work in order to create this safe space? What are some of the things that went through your mind as organizers? I think that so often our experience as uh, indigenous people or we get called upon in, within the art world or within institutional spaces to represent what it is to be indigenous or to represent sort of a kind of like this monolithic, we become monolithic by our sort of one-off type of inclusion. Uh, and there's this desire to bring indigenous people into institutional spaces to help, like the whole idea of like indigenizing the academy or something, you know, it is of, of course important to have indigenous knowledge within institutional spaces, but how that happens is, you know, that's a big question. There's a, there's a lot to be considered in, in how that's done. And so even though, you know, we're working with and alongside Grant Gallery, which has a long history of supporting Indigenous work, I wanted to think beyond the institution. And so the beginning with these five commissions, it was really about where the artists felt like that work needed to happen uh, and what people or what lands they wanted to engage based on their own sense of urgency and priorities. Uh, and that is the same way that the relationship with the respondents is structured, you know, that we, the artists all chose who they wanted to work with uh, and how that relationship was going to be set up. So in that way, sort of decentering the tendency of working from within institutions to have sort of like an authorial or central control or set of um, structures that dictate the way that work might unfold, especially when you think about it in terms of commissioning work for, for a project specifically. Um, and I feel that the result is so diverse, but also so, so strongly holds together. Um, and what is that thread, do you think? What holds, what is that thing that keeps it so strong and holds it together? Well, I think that part of the, the structure that we were looking at when we started was community and trust, building trust. So rather than being in um, that competition with each other, we're working in collaboration. And that's something that, for me, living in New York really, really surfaced, to be outside of a particular community that I had participated in so actively in Canada, to suddenly being in this other really arts-focused um, and seeing spaces like ABC No Rio that has a, a history. Um, my partner, Jason Lujan, who's you know, on the board there, and um, uh, 
for both of us as indigenous people who identify in that way, but to be in this other space where we really suddenly saw our, our participation in indigenous communities as being about supporting that community, right? That that's why we choose to participate. Um, so I think that that's something as the artist from Canada who's living outside of that nation state <laughs> in another nation state um, as a bigger conversation with, with art, how we can kind of um, really look at ourselves, but also um, with other people, right? That part of the reconciliation funding was also about discussion, right? Who are we in discussion with? Mm. So that trust building, handing it back over to the people who are doing that work already and saying, yeah, we really are going to, we want to see what you can do because you're already doing it. Like why, the big question was like, this is amazing, this is so great, but also why is this not already happening all over the place? Look how great it is, this should be happening. Like, I want to see this happen for everyone, everywhere, right? dive into the respondents for a second. We have two respondents here, and maybe Cheryl, um, would you like to share share your experience over, um, over the course of your work with Ursula, and um, maybe what the thread is for you, like what, what makes you feel tied into this project, and, and what's, your, what's your kind of um, decompression recap feeling? You, you travel a lot. You do so much work, and um, can you can you tell us where this sits in it all for you? You know, I just, I'll I start off by saying that um, my mom used to always say, you know, when you go someplace, you know, have, have one good thing to say at least, you know, like, <laughs> so I've been thinking, what's the one good thing I can say? Um, not, that, not that anything was wrong <laughs> at all. Um, this last couple days has been, uh, I'll start from the most recent. And um, the last couple of days have been really important, and I've expressed this to, I think, everyone, um, but I'll just recap it. Um, a lot of times on exhibitions, concerts, projects, events, there's a sense of the people who are doing it and the people who are invited to come and experience it, you know? And um, I'm a community-engaged artist, so that's been a lot of my work, is trying to make the work about the people who are coming to experience it. Uh, but you know, you've set up, this is a paradigm where you've set up a gallery, an exhibition. There's, you know, there's certain works that are gonna be on the walls. You know, that there's that many more people who are gonna come that aren't part of it. So I think it was pretty remarkable from my point of view to see how many of the works were inclusive. That was what the work was about was this a notion of including. So 
right from the get-go of the call and the response. You know, the artist invited and the respondent that the artist invited to have that sort of um, resonance. So on that level, it was quite remarkable. But just the last two days um, being here and not having to actually perform, which has been pretty great, I have to say. But usually, and I I've, I've voiced it this morning a little bit, usually I'm quite shy. Um, I've learned in my profession how to not be shy, how to kind of be out there. But, but truth be known, if I went to an event like this and I wasn't invited and I knew that you know a lot of people are going to be really running around busy, you know, trying to keep it together. I would I would really back off if I didn't think I could actually you know let me hold a screwdriver for you or <laughs> you know let me lay that cable down for you. I would really really just hang back and then I wouldn't even probably just and that's being very honest. I might not even go up to you at the end of the night and say that was beautiful because. I would recognize there would be that many people around you that wanted your time, that wanted your energy, but I would just try and be there as sort of a, I showed up, you know, I showed up. And I have to say there was something very different the last 48, 72 hours in my life where I'm, I'm quite honored and quite um, even mystified that I was invited to become part of this inner circle just to witness and to be able to send a text going, I hope your install's going good, you know, mm-hmm. or I hope your re- rehearsal's going good. So, and then to just, it was quite a different experience. A very, I can't quite articulate what it was, but it was the first time that's ever happened in my life. And it was a beautiful, beautiful thing to realize that I did my work back in January and now I get to come and just kind of um, tell all these beautiful, amazing young women that you're beautiful, amazing, and and young. <laughs> that's about that's the one good thing I'll say right now. <laughs> mm. And Ivy, as another respondent, you're um, one of the respondents for Maria Hupfield for this um, exhibition for this project. Can you talk about your experience um, and how? how you feel being here, being in this place with all of these women. Yeah, I absolutely agree about being grateful for the ability to be in the inner circle. <laughs> I mean, as a, as a guest, I'm very aware that I'm a guest and I'm the graciousness of everybody and how warm everyone is, but also super smart, talented. Like, I just like did a lot of awkward smiling and just like, <laughs> I felt like an amoeba in a way, um, but in a, such a good way, because it's just like, it's so, it's such a relief. It's, it, and you realize how rare that is to be around this type of people only when you find it and normally don't find it. So when you're there, you just, everything is reacting from your toes to your body. And I, you know, I am a Bolivian American and I'm trans and I'm an ally to women and I'm an ally to First Nation people and the best that I can and want to be better at it. And I'm very aware of that every day. And so I'm happy to be around everyone and like not be mis, you know, I don't want to, um, it's not like a, sh- a wolf in sheepskin or anything, but I mean, you, I understand a lot of the pressures uh, growing up in a world where gender is very clear, and so I get to have a lot of those things imposed onto me, um, and it's, it's just one of those things that it's like, I can, I can, being in these spaces, it just, I felt very comfortable, like I didn't, I never 
there wasn't a moment where I didn't feel uncomfortable. Not that I would suspect that at all, but so it was just like super cool. And I like wanted to help everybody, but I also wanted to respect people's spaces and I don't think that they needed it. So I, I hope that the performance contribution response that I conducted with Maria, even Esther and I, I mean, we also deeply respect each other in ways that it's like treading very lightly because of the amount of respect. And that is so cool to be able to have that with people, so. And how did you feel about your performance? Because you all just had that happen yesterday, and I know it's yeah. fresh. Um, so it might take some time to process, but can you talk about your reflections from that action that took place? Yeah, definitely yesterday's performance had a different type of depth than expected. And I was like, wow. And we were in an environment that had like all this technology. And like, if you imagine it being outside, how much greater of a depth it would have had. But if we were able to create that in that kind of space, um, and it was very visceral in a lot of ways. And once again, that deep, deep respect. And almost probably going somewhere else while it's, while it's occurring. And I haven't experienced that before um, in that gravity, I guess. It's like, you know, being watched by other people or students and things like that. You have an expectation. But the way that this was, it was just something else was in the air, and it's hard to articulate. And then the rest of the day happened, and it just like kept going and going of just like this immensity and really awesomeness. So mm. it's still digesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like that was kind of a, a great introduction of like a warming up of um, what's going on here, and it feels like. Maybe it's just me projecting, but it feels like a very emotion-based um, interview and moment, you know. Like I f and I feel like it's a, I feel like this is such a tender and vulnerable and beautiful space to share with people who listen to this podcast. The type of people who need to hear this, um, this reflection on putting together an exhibition. So um, maybe. Tanya, can you go in a little bit deeper with, um, with the work that you did and um, how you feel like um, call response can be an activator to change the structure of maybe the way institutions like allow space for artists and organizers to open projects in this way to create this safe place where we are we are together in a good way and in, in allyship, I guess. Um, just reflections on that. I'm not sure if this is a reflection on that or just something I'm thinking of in terms of reflection, but um, there was a moment at the opening where this uh, uh, um, woman who I know, her niece, uh, came and she um, started to play around with the crystals that I used to project a film through. So the film I'm using um, is an anthropological, silent black and white film made of my people, of the Sokotmuk people um, in 1928. And um, she came up and started fiddling around with a little stack of crystals, which many people didn't see because they sort of stood from the back and looked at the projection, but she was playing around with them, and then she stacked them in this whole new way, where she put them in front of the lens, and it did, it, and it made a really cool effect, and uh, and it made me reflect on the inclusivity and collaborative way uh, and process valuing you know, the valuing all, all in all of that that the project has sort of how it's unfolded and been conceptualized and strategically meant to kind of 
be able to hold all that and um, to be able to well, uphold it, to value the contributions of many different people, to value diversity, to value, to not be um, reimposing kind of binaries, to be able to say, um, you know, we're identifying as women, but we, what we bring forward is, you know, is this, is this expansive and inclusive kind of space that you know that we want to be in you know that's what excites me about the kind of this project and the work we do is the chance to meet other people to be in conversation to have other perspectives to you know to further that in this way where we can all be a part of it we're implicated but we're also in a space where we can be where it's loving and we can take care of each other while also kind of going through all of those other difficult things so um you know, the work that I uh, am engaged with for this project, I feel like it it has this manifestation and it's also just still really developing the kind of line of research I started to look at in terms of the influence of this uh, anthropologist's work. Um, not only in my community, but actually, because he produced uh, this also, this album of prehistoric Canadian art that sort of makes a case for um, uh, Canadian designers, industrialists, textile workers to uh, appropriate from Indigenous culture in order to make a kind of national arts statement. Um, and so the way that he has kind of and that thinking has shaped what we expect of native art or what is uh, marketable as native art um, is something that I sort of uh, started researching on it. It's kind of grown and I've been in conversation with community about it, but it's also just a beginning. So mm. that, that's, that was what became very, very clear, I think. Um, but there was also just something so deeply resonant and, and emotional in, like, in the performances, in, in the caretaking that we were all doing, just of laying cable and lending and <laughs> passing screwdrivers, <laughs> flags, <laughs> maybe <laughs> sharing some sharing some crystals. <laughs> but yeah, generosity, mm. very generous space. Mm. Well being strong, right? A generosity where you're not giving anything away very strongly. I think there's much, a lot held back actually in this process and in this project. Um, but interesting, uh, and and I mean, in the context of this project, what what do you mean by that? I mean that we haven't. Um, I have at times saw this way that Canadian society is kind of consuming the trauma of indigenous peoples. We, we want to see, there's a desire to see, to have a trauma presented to you and to be able to consume that uh, in all the complicated ways that might be meant. Um, and I think we resisted that by, we resisted that in many ways strategically through this project, even, uh, yeah. And in order to show all these other ideas, all these other images, and to show strength, right? I think that was the thing. That's what happens when you consume a kind of a trauma of any marginalized people in some way. You can consume a kind of trauma and then, you, then it's okay to like, um, you can feel uh, sympathetic or something that absolves you from any, any responsibility or from implicating yourself or from, you know, uh, so instead of just being able to kind of consume that and feel bad, but then 
go on with everything the next day. Uh, I feel like the project has taken uh, a, a deeper path. Mm. As a response, um, <laughs> I, I agree with what you're saying, and I think there's also something that else that happens in that. That's a colonial narrative that desire to cannibalize people's experiences. Um, um, and if you think of the sort of shape and arc of most um, westernized uh, narrative forms, you know, you think about drama and theater and, sorry, I have a obvious dislike of theater, but uh, if you think of it, a lot of it has to do with this, you know, we're going to set up these characters and then shit's going to happen and then it could get even worse, but then there's a light at the end of the tunnel and you can all go away and feel really good that you had a, you know, that you went through it. So I think there was something different that, I agree with you, there was definitely something different being experienced here. It was almost, it was lateral. It was like a lateral viewpoint on our many worldviews and our many ways that we continue to be here. And that, and I think, and that was also evident in, from my point of view, experiencing the work, this is more response, the work of um, Maria and um, Ivy and Esther's is that I did feel like that was a decolonized space mm. because just the very nature that you'd from my point of view, I mean, and I, I, it's only my read, but I felt like it was an organism that had been created and everyone in that room was part of that organism, allowed and welcomed to become part of that, to make something different. And that is a decolonized space that you created. You know, we, it's all of our, it's the question is, how do we walk away from this, uh, this exhibition, this moment, this time together, and and take even a small portion of, of the tools that Ivy that you constructed metaphorically. How do we construct them and move forward in our life and know that there's a new way to, to do some even small minimal task. And that is kind of like, um, what's that domino effect? It has this ripple effect, you know? It can change everything. So, and even I think just on, on a super concrete level, um, one of the things I noticed, because this money was the reconciliation money, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and that was big money here on the land now known as Canada that, you know, only seven projects or however many got that. And I think in the art community, I think what I read, you know, what I noticed was that people were quite impressed that, you know, that you got some of that money to do this. And then also, if you think about what's been happening in Vancouver post-Olympics, you know, the kind of sense of um, dearth of, of funding and access to things. So I felt like last night, just the opening was like a celebration. People going, good for you, yay, you brought something here, you know, like you brought nequatso um, in, um, I think is the word in Korea, it's like the meat, the meat of the kill, eh? You brought a bit of the meat of the kill here, you know? So, and in that way, it even included community where people were like, good for you, you, you know, you brought something to this land, so.
know we've been using this term co-organizers, and just to go back to Tara's interview, <laughs> where um, <laughs> I am to blame for that term. So to further clarify, I think um, in identifying respondents and artists, the other um, role is curator organizer, co-organizer. Mm -hmm. So um, thank you, Tara, for bringing home the... <laughs> curating as well mm. in all the different um, as an artist co-organizer and I know in different ways watching Tanya um, and you um, on, in your different places as we work on we're working on this project um, with our different balancing acts but yeah you definitely yeah for the curating mm, thank you yeah, and it's so interesting because I feel like with indigenous art, I mean, I live in Santa Fe, and it's so object-based, you know, there, um, from, from what I'm seeing as I experience the place, you know. It's like the meat of the kill, like you need the object in order to be able to interpret the artist's experience. And I feel like for this project, and maybe I'm just projecting, but I feel like for this project, that wasn't the emphasis, you know, the emphasis was the experience of the artist and the experience of the respondent together on, in the place that they needed to be to have the work created, to go through a process to find, to find a, an empowered or a strong place. So um, maybe can you talk about the reflections um, of your response to what Cheryl was saying um, and with that in mind? Yeah, well, I think it, you know, when you're talking about process, I was reflecting on what Tanya was saying before about how there are certain aspects of the process that, that might be withheld or that we kept closer or that were kept closer to the artists while they were working, you know, in all in their own locations. But then at the same time, trying to communicate something of that process in the gallery itself. Um, and for, you know, for me, going back to what Maria was saying, the process of curating this project and uh, working with all of these artists has been um, such a learning experience. And I felt, I feel like I have, have grown so much um, and I, I remember when Maria and Tanya and I first started talking about this project together, it was after a year of doing uh, some research here at the gallery and really not knowing, you know, what I wanted to say, but knowing that there are these two women who, whose work and whose voices I admire so deeply that as soon as that conversation began, everything just blossomed. It really did blossom. And I feel held up and I feel, you know, it's going back to that safe space. I feel safe to be, uh, you know, not always sure about what I'm saying and to work through all of those things, knowing that I'm doing so with the support of, of people who have strong voices and that we can work through all of that together. So the, that process for me 
working on the curatorial side of things has been so rewarding. And I think it speaks uh, very strongly to building collaborative relationships that are you know, attentive to all of the different ways that we're living our lives and all the different roles that we are playing uh, and takes responsibility for those, for those different things, so. Mm-hmm. And speaking of strong women, <laughs> um, let's recap about the performances yesterday. So in the afternoon leading up to the opening, Ursula Johnson was working on her project the Land Sings, uh, and there's another indigenous language part to that, which I should learn how to pronounce. <laughs> and Ursula invited collaborators from uh, Squamish and tsleil to develop a song for the land with her, so Cease Weiss and Cassandra Smith. And they performed the song that they developed together from the land, singing to the land over a couple of hours in the park. And maybe, Cheryl, you would like to reflect on that being, because I know that you spent quite a bit of time at that performance. Well, you know, the location is really lovely because it's just behind Grant Gallery, but it's an old uh, creek bed. So uh, it would have been one of these creeks that have uh, is pretty much underground now. We're probably right on top of it here at Grant, and it would have run through here. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, there's still kind of evidence of it, you know? You can see that, well, this is a creek bed. We're sitting in this little creek bed, and it's just a lovely little affordance. It's a piece of city land that won't ever be built on, hopefully, for not for a while, because uh, it's uh, such a peculiar little triangle, triangular shape. But um, I was sitting in the very front with um, Mikey L. Dangeli, and um, I'm just the first person, if I'm at a ceremony, a concert, it doesn't matter, movie, if there's music, I'm going to be singing. So um, just because, you know, anyways, I could go off into a tangent and I won't. But um, it was really beautiful to be able to sit there and to know that um, there was three women who had collaborated to make this sound. They were singing it to that piece of land there. They were also in the process of singing it to each other to kind of bond, build a relationship, build a sisterhood, build a trust, and to remember the song all in one. So that was all happening mm-hmm. while they were simultaneously performing it to us, singing it to the land there, to talk, to the, have a conversation with the, that land there. And it was really an open setting where it was like, you could have done, you could have danced if you wanted to. You could have, you know, I'm sure if there was other drums and people just spontaneously showed up, that would have been okay too, you know, it was pretty open. Um, a really beautiful moment happened in that um, performance um, or in that event. There was out of the, I, I was noticing out of the corner of my eye where I was sitting, it was like, it was like there was somebody sitting there and I kept turning my head and looking, and I realized it was a, a fallen cedar that was um, nicely decomposing there. 
But it was so alive. It was so alive. And then all of a sudden, Ursula leaves the front where she was singing with Cease and Cassandra and walks right over to this piece of tree and sings to it, sings a couple push-ups of the song right to it, and then went back. And, um, and I think Cease came over as well. And then afterwards, they, everyone said the same thing, is that they all noticed this piece of, this fallen cedar. It was like it was, it was so happy. It was so happy that people were singing. It was so happy to have people spending time with it. It really was alive. It was like there was a being just sitting right there. So it was just a beautiful, yeah, it was a beautiful way to remember that you can quite quickly strip away the layers of city if you focus, if you just really focus on the smaller things, eh? You know, you can find you can find that nature's still alive and well, and we're not completely consumed by commodity and commerce. You know, mm -hmm. so that was a beautiful little triangle, your triangular moment of uh, of that expression. Yeah, just well, we came a bit early and were able to see some of the Thursdays events that artist Jace Saloom has been working on. And just what Cheryl said is reminding me of the interview Tannis Nielsen did with Lee Miracle, where Lee Miracle had talked about the importance of song as vibration and as a kind of uh, force and energy holding things together and as a way to kind of connect. And I think, I think of that with Ursula's performance, as well as her deep kind of... Um, respect and political thinking in terms of being invited to a place to do a work and and to connect with the indigenous peoples there and to acknowledge lands there, which is uh, it's it's a spiritual acknowledgement and a cultural protocol and a political statement all in one. So it's very generative um, act that she does in that in that piece. Uh, Tara, perhaps you can respond to Maria Hupfield and her respondents' performance yesterday. Yeah, I would first just like to thank Rob Stone, who is a professor of mine when I was at UBC, and Sissy Fu, who invited Maria and Ivy and Esther to do a performance at Emily Carr, and to be gracious enough to also allow the public into that space. Um, Maria, Ivy, and Esther chose to really engage with the students that were there. Uh, and so they were gathered around the mat in the studio, sitting, asked to take their shoes off. And the rest of us were sort of on chairs around the, the performance space. But we were all, we were all very much engaged in, in different ways. But we had different roles to play. Uh, the students were given these tools that Maria made, right? No. Who made the tools? Ivy made the tools. Which tools? Oh, <laughs> they were all tools. Oh, no. I'm on the spot. What is, what is a tool? There were some, there were some, there was a saw and a hammer that were given out. And the students were tasked with cutting and assembling these Structures. I don't know what kind of instruction they were given. That wasn't part of what I was necessarily privy to in that relationship. But 
there was a lot of activity going on building and constructing. Um, and, you know, maybe instead of describing the whole performance, I can talk about some of the things that I was reflecting on when I was witnessing them. Mm. Uh, there were flags with text on them that spoke to the idea of uh, knowing how to use tools and also how to think through different ideas uh, in different ways. You know, how, to, how thinking can be this very material-based process um, and an embodied process. And I was thinking about uh, Leanne Simpson's discussion of theory as something that is, that is kinetic, that's in our bodies, um, and how that is a very different way of thinking about knowledge and learning than we often experience in a university setting where the performance was, was cited. Um, and in being asked to remove our shoes, that was very much a way, to, I think, for me to think about being grounded and being connected to the earth, even though we were, you know, on the second floor <laughs> of a building, it's that, that action is, um, very evocative of that. Mm. People were paying very close attention to what was happening. There was an air of revenance in the room, but also a kind of um, unsureness about what was unfolding or what our roles and responsibilities perhaps were. And at the end of the performance, or what felt like an end of the performance, Everything that everyone was working on was gathered up underneath a very large black banner that had the word decolonize uh, written across it. And then each of the performers got underneath that banner, which almost seemed like a burial. Mm -hmm. And there was a very long moment of the audience wondering what, what to do next. You know, people were looking around and maybe thinking they should start clapping, but then Cheryl stood up. <laughs> <laughs> Cheryl knew what to do. <laughs> and Cheryl brought over, over one of the white flags that, that we were given sitting around the edges of the performance space and, and laid it down. And that was really, you know, that was, that brought breath back into the room. And then everyone took time to do something to respond in their own way. And so the performance really, you know, the performance was not only conceived of as a response to the work that Maria has been doing, but it also really tasked the audience to respond and to think about what that means. Does anybody else wanna, do you guys wanna speak to? Yeah. <laughs> um, I can briefly respond. Um, <laughs> edit. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> the voice of authority. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you that it, um, I mean, I agree with your response because I was sitting next to you and I think like energetically when you're watching a performance, for me anyway, 
I'm so sensitive to people around me and my relationship to their energy that I, I felt very much like in it with Tara sitting there, you know, just like we were having this experience together and watching Cheryl go and place the flag on, on three bodies that are covered in a, um, a banner that says decolonize really affected me because presently of what's happening in um, the country where I'm living in, in, um, in North Dakota and Standing Rock, you know, um, my heart is in this space of deconstructing terms like that right now with my family, with my husband. So it moved me to tears and that was my response. My response was an emotional, a physical and emotional reaction. And I'm not completely like into the performance art scene as I'm coming to know it to be in such a full way that I know if that's how I would just react to all performance art, but it moved me <laughs> in a way that was really, um, really prime, like it, it just opened my heart and, um, and I could feel that kind of ripple throughout the room, like as far regarding sensitivity to other people, like I was saying that I have, I could feel everybody reacting that way. And I don't know if I would see it so much as a burial, but like a going back into the womb is what my response was. Um, finding a safe place to, um, after doing all of this work, and it almost felt like the work, the tools that were provided and the tasks that were provided, they began the tasks and then they began to realize that there was n no reason. <laughs> And you could see them lose interest and like look around at each other, these students. <laughs> and, I, and my response, and then seeing the text on the flags coming out um, on the banners, like my response was like, wow, we do all this work sometimes because we think we are um, going from point A to point B. And then we realized that there was no point, like point A was actually like probably further ahead. <laughs> than where we were trying to get to. And I think about that with terms like decolonization, where um, colonization is already um, breaking itself apart, I feel like, right now. And I, I feel like terms like re-indigenizing kind of give us that power in a way more where um, we are in charge of making the tools necessary to work in today's society, you know, instead of using the master's tools <laughs> in a way. Mm -hmm. And that was my response to it, was just language and the use of language, the use of text and performance art. It was really, um, your mind goes to one place automatically. And then some of the banners were sewn with words on them. And what were some of the words that were on those sewn banners? Working Does anybody through ways of working? Was that one of them? What was, was it in the mic again? Working through ways of working. Working through ways of working. So like Do you know how to make tools? Do you know how to use oh, tools? use tools. Do you know how to use tools? Do you know how to use tools? Yeah. So there. About our own. Ways that become our own. So those three texts were sewn into banners and like very like purposefully the letters cut out and they were sewn in. And you see those first. And then I was talking to Maria about this, like the decolonized banner comes out and it's much, much larger and super long and she flips it out and it's 
painted like just like with passion, like physical, like you can see the brush strokes and the splatter of paint and it just like, there's like a human statement there and that, and I don't know, my response to it was very, um, that's when I started crying because I was like, it's like this cry for help, you know, like write this as big as you can and like, like as quickly as you can. Um, there was an urgency to it um, in the form of the line that was created. I was thinking about, well, one of the students laid down a flag that said water is life. Uh, and I was thinking about the banners that Christy and Isaac made for the protests in North Dakota and how those were taken away by the police. Military. By the military, thank you. And how that banner is such a strong statement, how it holds so much power in it, and to see someone lay down that flag that said water is life on it really connected for me. Mm. Yeah, I think that being here for me personally over um, this past couple of days um, and being invited for this project and then also at Vivo, is that the name of the mm -hmm. space we went to on the first night we got in, like the conversation around water, mm -hmm. around land and around that consciousness, that thread, um, it's just been really um, inspiring to me. Our mother grows angry, retribution will be swift. We squander her soil and suck out her sweet black blood to burn it. We turn money into God and salivate over opportunities to crumple and crinkle our souls for that paper, that gold. Money has spent us. So um, the last performance of the evening, can we maybe respond to that? Um, maybe just show you our breasts. The last performance of the evening was a very powerful um, moment. And maybe, Tara, would you like to introduce what was witnessed and maybe if we can all take a moment to try to respond to that um, in whatever way feels comfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, again, I will say the work's name in, in English because of you know my limited knowledge of the language, but my body, the land, and the ice began as a video work that Lackalook Williamson Bathory filmed behind her house in Iqaluit in the most amazing landscape. And that video became the basis for the response performance that happened at the Native Education College, which is a cedar longhouse building where indigenous and non-indigenous people can go to be educated in a setting that it in is seated in cultural knowledge. It's a really amazing space. So it was really wonderful to be in that intimate environment with the central fire for that performance. And 
It began with sounds of Lakaluk's children playing out on the land in their home. And she lit uh, the Coleman camp stove and put a pot of water to boil on it. And then while the video was playing, you started to see the heat rising from, from the kettle in front of the screen. And, you know, I, I, I knew that that performance was going to be amazing, but what happened, I just, I'm just still so speechless <laughs> about it. It was so uh, transformative for me. So maybe I'll just leave it there and then other, others can talk about what they saw. I'll just like, I'll just add a quick other two words which were like cathartic and funny, but outrageously sort of so. Um, I think there is a moment, okay, wait, I know what I'll say. A friend brought their seven-year-old son uh, and it was a quite intimidating performance for a young person, but I thought he had the best review. He, he, this is communicated through his dad, who said um, he, he had to work through some things, he was scared at some moments, and because uh, it was a very intensive performance, um, but he, he said that he had never felt so many things all at the same time. <laughs> that, that was, I thought that was quite a good review, um, and spoke to the kind of cathartic way it acted for myself. Mm. And can we talk about, or anybody who's interested, um, talk about the response to the relationship between Lakaluk and Tanya Tagak. The, um, there seemed to be such a, a close response happening, like in this like physical melding almost. And did anybody else have any reaction to the the artist and the respondent's relationship in the performance last night? Well, I would say that um, there was like some sort of informalness that they did, which was really helpful for us to see their relationship quickly, like mm. just being goofy and funny and like breaking quote unquote character. And just then within those short period of time, you're able to see that prior to the performance. But I would imagine if we didn't see that during the performance, you would have easily found the connection in a, in a deep way as well. But we were gifted that, I think. And um, funny is definitely the word. And also submissiveness of the audience. Like anywhere they would have gone, we would have followed. And just with full intensity. And it was just really remarkable and impressive. And I feel like it was the perfect way to end that nobody could have predicted. But that's kind of what we're like, yes, of course, this is how it ends the, the whole evening in the show. Uh, Cheryl, do you have any response? So many things happening in that moment or in those moments. I've known Lakaluk since she was a small girl. Mm -hmm. So to not only uh, get to experience her doing the same um, performative action that I gotten to witness her mom doing when her mom was younger <clears throat> was quite emotional for me. And... Um, also then, then to be able to witness her artistry as well, the, the video and, and the concept and, and the fact that the kettle whistled at the absolute perfect moment. So as a performance, it was, it, so it goes beyond performance. It goes beyond the, it, for me, it's like, it's so um, 
embodied and inherent the knowledge, you know, the knowledge of how long it takes to boil a, a pot of water on a Coleman stove, you know, <laughs> timed perfectly, you know. So on so many levels, it, it just resonated and worked well. And, you know, there's something else. Um, you know, we know that sort of um, pretty classic psychological um, explanation of introvert-extrovert, you know. Uh, introverts, um, you know, need to go be by themselves to recharge the batteries. Extroverts get energy from other people. And the performance last night was an example of this extroverted giving of energy. Because at the end, no one was drained. No one went home and went, oh, man, I'm really tired. That was good, but I'm really tired. Everyone left there absolutely supercharged, like the batteries had just been completely reset. So I think that was something that was completely phenomenal, that we were all gifted. It was, yeah. I agree. Um, this, over breakfast this morning, I was um, commenting on how afterwards I felt like the whole audience had received a tune-up, <laughs> like a whole body, physical, <laughs> mental, <Yeah>. in every way. <laughs> um, and it reminded me of the power of performance and what attracts me to performance art as well and how you know, there's this history of an art of like wanting to connect with um, our modernist art, connecting with the primitive to get closer to that truth because there is a truth that is there and we see that. So um, you know, going back to these really, really, um, the experts of these ancient ways of working and moving and singing. Um, so in a way, when I think about hashtag call response, it's no surprise to me that there's so much singing happening, right? <laughs> Hours of singing, um, all kinds of things, movement, all of that. So that the dynamic energy of um, all of those gifting, um, it's just in this project, the range and scope and diversity of performance has just been the way you can really cut through to um, touch upon us in a way that words, um, paintings, still sculpture, um, maybe can't reach, and why we why those are so valuable as well. Um, anyway, those were things that strike me. And then again, with um, with Lakaluk and Tanya Tagak, what. Um, and seeing the relationship along those kinship lines, like along those what happens when you have an ongoing um, familiarity and relationship with people, the strength that can come out of that too is um, in the way that we work. And I think that that's also um, how we can support and hold each other up. So let's talk about the performance. 
aspect of this project? I'm thinking about performance and process as being hand in hand within the project. Um, because not all of the projects in hashtag call response are performance works, but all have a performative and process-based um, nature to how they've unfolded. And that is reflected in the gallery right now because there's uh, a couple of works that are listed on the list of works that aren't in the exhibition because we wanted to point to the centrality of performance and of being present of that experience of process. And so the video that was recorded of Lakaluk and Tanya's performance last night will exist in some form in the gallery. It was dark. <laughs> so the, the videographer was, was a little bit upset about the darkness, but <laughs> it couldn't have unfolded in a, in a better way, in my opinion. And similarly with Ursula Johnson's performance, that, that was recorded on audio. So there's something of that you know, it required, the, it required the audience and the public that came to the gallery to be present and, and in that moment. And so thinking about how that experience of, of embodied presentness can be transferred into the gallery or differently into an online context with the website. So, and that, that will all be developing as the project evolves. And as we tour it to, to new locations, there's the opportunity for additional responses where I think performance would play a really big part of that. If we w want to continue to expand that conversation, then I think performance is such a responsive and, and immediate form that takes you know, the concepts and, and dialogue that, that we're all having around these issues and brings it into an active form. And that's also sort of where the, the seeds of the politics of this project are located. Did I get that right? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know either, like, how um, Esther and Ivy feel about being, like, roped into something that they made out of <laughs> the full scope of, I don't know if there's anything you want to say about performance, or um, I think often in Brooklyn, there's a lot of performance. Um, Esther has a um, gallery space called Panoply Performance Lab. Ivy's also had a um, performance space as well. And so, um, but often this idea of um, performance having a space or performance and art having a place to stay, or to sit, to rest, to kind of um, how that kind of changes things. I don't know if um, the process, like what you think about, or if you want to add anything. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's hear from you, Ivy, any reflections on maybe even what, like breaking down what performance art is in the context of its relationship to you and this project? <laughs> well, I think performance art is, is um, always going to be political because it has a body in it, even if you curate a different body to create an action that you've been interested in or something. But we're the live bodies that we've created. So 
you can't remove um, the subject, which is yourself, from it. So you're always going to be perceived in a certain way or look at a certain way. And um, that also the energy that's there is so intense um, every time. And I do believe that performance art revives people in a, in a way when you see it. And even though I've seen my colleagues for a while perform for, for years, I still want to like clean the slate so I can enjoy it. And sometimes if I'm curating them in the show, I'm like, don't tell me everything. Because <laughs> I want to be a participant just as much. And that may be a little greedy. And like when I used to run my space, I was like, you're doing this for me in my house. So, <laughs> but it's just like something about it. And it's, it's not, um, there's no real inherent value. It goes away. It's consumable. Literally, the objects are consumable. It wears and tears. Sometimes it physically affects you. I've had performances where I've physically um, had, I, as a result, not intentionally, but you get injured sometimes. <laughs> but you're subjecting yourself through this, um, even so, and, and you're like, well, what, what's it for? But when you see those kinds of performance, like the ones yesterday, you're just like, <sighs> yeah, like my blood is pumping so much better. And it's not that I'm, I'm trying not to take from it either. I'm trying to just be a participant, but I'm also willing myself to enjoy it I guess it's like this it's a conflict almost because it and I know people say don't say that performance is a gift or but it can be it's okay that it is because it doesn't take away from those artists they're absolutely all amazing and um, it's okay for you as a viewer to enjoy it period I think so it, it provides a lot of strength for certain bodies and which is very political and so it may not seem like a lot to give a platform for that but when you do it is a huge deal in my opinion and I'm interested in that term of not taking away. And uh, maybe if anybody here might have insight for people being um, viewers for performance art or art in general, how do you, what is maybe a way that you can receive without simply taking? I think I was thinking of carrying. Um, I think of performance as being this medium where you can carry so much, you know, how you translate your sort of expressive or creative kind of intent in a painting or in a sculpture or in different kind of mediums has, I think at times, more limits to it than what you might carry as a performance artist or as a way of working through um, that energy and that creativity or that intention. Um, I think because that you can't, you can't, uh, you can't fail to recognize sort of somebody's present body, somebody's maybe socio-political connections, the ways in which they're moving but your, their body and how it relates to you. And so I think they can carry so much um, in a performance. And I think the one way I, I might view performance is that I get to share in that carrying. I get to help carry for however, period, however long a period of time that is. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I concur with what everyone's saying. I think there's something that I've noticed about performance, and it's maybe it's been said or maybe it's been suggested, but when we look, when we experience a piece of art that's on a wall or, a, or media or something, there's something we're resonating with. There's something that, you know, we like the colors or the shapes or the... Or you know, there's something about the form that we're, we're we're resonating with, identifying with, reflecting on. But there's something um, something that becomes, I think, more immediate about a performance because it is a body, you know, and it is a body that 
we either um, want to identify with, and we can identify it with much more quickly, or it might be an action that we feel. We can feel it in our muscles as it's happening, or we want to welcome it, as in the performance last night. Everyone wanted to be part of that performance. And then I think even of the work, like for instance, your work, um, Tanya, with those crystals, you know, how they just kept leaping off and everyone wanted to like, yeah, yeah. I mean, and people wanted to, it was a performance. It was a performative act to, to watch them, maintain them, you know, um, and then experience what they were, what they were doing. So anyways, um, yeah, I think there's something really interesting, really immediate when things are performative. Um, it's, it's an immediate kind of resonance. Um, and it's also, I think, relates to that um, notion of becoming, that we're always becoming. We're always verbing. We're always in the process of verbing, being and becoming. So I think there was something that that all the works were like were about that. Even mm -hmm. Christie's, you know, there was this notion of that piece is still being, you know, fleshed. It's mm -hmm. still being worked. Mm. Yeah. So let's start talking a little bit more about the work um, that Isaac and Christie brought to the show, and maybe we can respond to it if you'd like to introduce their project. Mm -hmm. Christie Belcourt and Isaac Murdoch form two thirds of the Anaman Collective, who uh, work in Anishinaabe territory much of the time, but also travel around quite often and do uh, workshops, um, a lot of times with youth around language immersion programs, ceremonial practices, learning on the land. So their project, Reconciliation with the Land and Waters, really comes out of this long-term engagement that they have with cultural resurgence. And I wish Christy was here because she is so well-spoken and so eloquent. And in preparing for the exhibition, we had a great conversation on the phone where she talked about the steps that we need to go through in reconciliation. And the first step for Indigenous people is reconciling with the land. And she spoke about uh, a practice of offerings that used to be so common that recognized that uh, the reciprocal relationships, the systems that we exist in that nurture us, and how giving offerings to the land and to the water used to be such a, a central part of indigenous life and how we have lost that because of colonization in, in many ways. Um, but it's always been there. It's always been there and we, we just need to activate it and to recognize it. Um, and that is how they wanted to center their project. So really starting in the summer of last year is when the first sort of date of the project, um, yeah, sorry. So really starting in the summer of last year is kind of when the project began, even though um, we started working on call response in the fall <laughs> because it is a continuance of work that they are already doing. So Christy and Isaac have been going out onto the land to do ceremony in um, places 
from Saskatchewan and into Ontario and around different gatherings that they were going to. So the work in the exhibition is a buffalo robe that was gifted to them by Grand Chief Derek Nepenak when they were in Saskatchewan. And they painted a record of their ceremonial activities on the robe, and that is their contribution as, as a call and a response. And, you know, speaking with Christy, she really sees the land as the respondent in, in her project. And so we wanted to point to all the locations that the ceremony was, has been taking place in uh, without, you know, revealing what actually happened in those ceremonies. And the robe will go back to the Anamen Collective so that they can continue their, their educational work. So it will be taken up as a, as a tool, their, their teaching work, yeah. Do you have any reflections about the uh, piece, Tanya? Um, perhaps just my reflection that I can offer is around this idea of reciprocity and that it is a, a buffalo robe and this other bodily presence in the gallery space. And um, my dad hunts and we're in relationship with natural resources and eating meat and hunting and being in that very close um, reciprocal bond of harvesting, which does bear... Um, witness and testament and responsibility as part of it. So there, I think there's many uh, layers to all of the works in the gallery. And I think what I said earlier about there being such a generosity of sharing what is the outcome of uh, that work that they've been doing and this, la this sense of uh, lateral and horizontal kinds of ways of working where we can value the work that they were already doing and the contribution that they've given us, but they also are holding to themselves those moments of ceremony that are important in that, that space that needs to be held away from uh, being given away, right? And so there's these, those things, both those things uh, kind of holding back and a, a fierce kind of generosity that are in balance with each other. And I think that's, that's what's really sort of um, provocative and interesting about that work. Also, I mean, there, there's these other kinds of uh, responses that happen, so a uh, young, uh, man, uh, Eugene came and strung that hide for us here at the gallery and stayed in the woods. So we saw it sort of as it traveled, rolled up uh, in the gallery space. Then we left for a while and came back and saw it um, with its painting revealed and strung and, and present in the gallery. And so that was a, a really kind of beautiful process as well. Um, you know, so there's all these kinds of ways in which um, spirit and process and intention and community have been part of all these works, and we're not going to we're not going to that's not all going to be revealed to us. Um, but I, but but you will see parts of that, and it depends on where you are with your own work and knowledge and what part community you're a part of or what knowledges you share, how much you'll get out of that, right? I think it's interesting about that piece too is <clears throat> as I'm listening to the the curators and co-conspirators talk about that piece um, I'm also thinking about the way it is in the gallery space um, I'm doing a little bit of work around you know winter counts and um, it's not it's it's interesting how it's in the space um, stretched and 
propped against a wall because it implies the sense of it's still being worked on, the hide is still being flashed, you know? If it was, if it was a finished piece of work, you know, I'm not implying there's anything not good about it, but if it was a finished piece of work, it might be more um, presented in the way a winter count is presented, and that would have been, you know, in the center uh, for people to sort of be able to move around it and experience the history around it, right? So I think that's there's something interesting. And I also like what, I can't remember which one of you said it, but you were talking about how, you know, it represents these different ceremonies without, Tara, you said it, without giving away the, the things in the ceremony. It reminds me of um, just having been in the um, Western outback in Australia, the dot paintings that are um, specific to that part of Australia, how that was sort of a, uh, a codified way of um, talking about locations and places and activities, but you had to understand the code before you could, you know, to, to be able to read it properly. So there's something really interesting about all those things and the way that piece is part of the show, because it's quite distinct in so many ways. Just to close this space, to close this interview, this long collection of interviews, I'd like to ask um, any maybe advice for other people who might be interested in engaging in a large project like this, anything that maybe you've learned that it could be a little seed of knowledge to share. Um, I always like to give something back to the listeners in this way as a, as a gratitude for going on this journey with us. So if any of you have anything that maybe you could offer in terms of advice from your experiences where you stand as artists and as curators and organizers, this would be a good, a good space to share. We've gone through a very intense last two weeks preparing for the opening and I just feel like I've learned so much in the past couple of weeks whether it's launching a website for the first time <laughs> well you know a website of this scope I had a blog at one point in my life <laughs> but not quite the same <laughs> um, to uh, like being like the stage manager at the performance last night and having cues that I had to meet and that was just so <laughs> stress inducing. <laughs> but I didn't fuck it up, so. <laughs> um, 
to, you know, like putting together a production schedule for while you are all here. Um, There's just, you know, there's many moving parts, but you just kind of have, you kind of have to give yourself over to that process and, um, you know, to go with the the flow, basically, (laughs) to say say it in that way. and I think that is a really a strong aspect of this project is that all along the way, we've been very attentive to how things need to unfold and to giving time over for that. And sometimes that's not an easy place to put yourself in um, because it is giving over control and it, and it's, you know, knowing how to sit in that. And I think, you know, when you might be doing something like this for the first time, giving over control is, you know, because you want to get it right, you know, you want to do good work and you don't want to mess things up. Um, but... It's, it's important to give yourself over to that process because things will happen as they happen. Um, you know, you can't control everything. <laughs> uh, but it also just allows for, I think, a much more generative space. Did you say give yourself, give yourself over to things? Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. I was feeling it as you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Um, does anybody else have any form of reflection or brief ad- advice or anything um, that you feel like you haven't had a chance to express yet? Reinforcing the idea of reciprocity. So it's not just uh, a taking what, what can I get out of this. It's about what you can give, um, how you can participate, how you can uh, be a contributor. Um, how by being involved, you're making things better, you're doing your part. Um, and I think that that's also, you know, the part about um, being accountable to um, the community, the society, um, and making a contribution, right? Mm, definitely. I think I um, really valued the trust the trust that you have to give to be, you know, there's so many uh, entanglements in when you're involved in the logistics of something and, and at the same time when you're valuing the process, how you have to give some of that control. And But the, the kind of way I want to think about it is that when I'm back home at times and see um, like my dad or older generations and the difficulties they've had making it through racist Canada, residential school experience, intergenerational effects. Sometimes I think something that was so damaged is trust. Mm-hmm. I see, I see it's so, it's so been so fractured and even between family members and communities, trust is so damaged. And I think we did a little bit of work to uphold and to carry trust that was really beautiful in this project. Mm. The respondents? Yes, <laughs> the respondents. Um, I, th- I know a lot of times, I don't know what your, the demographic of your listenership is, but I know that from my own experience and through life, there's a lot of times where, um, you know, 
you have dreams of things that you want to do, and so you get asked to be involved in different things, and sometimes it's not always the lead role, you know, going using that theater paradigm, or, or, or maybe you're not the lead singer if you want to use a rock and roll paradigm, but, <laughs> but I think it's quite beautiful, again, going back one last time to that notion of the organism, you know, when, when an organism, you know, invites you to become part of it, it's, it's really beautiful to know that you are sharing your gifts to make that a healthy being. And uh, so if there's ever an opportunity for some of your listeners who know that they've got tons and tons of skills and tons and tons of ideas, but, but you know, these are golden opportunities. I learned a lot by accepting the role of respondent, you know, so I'm super grateful that I got to witness and, and respond to this. Whereas if I had said no, for instance, you know, no, 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 I want my work to be or whatever, you know, then you lose out. So just mm -hmm. that openness, I think. And, and you guys created the vessel. You created the vessel that was a vessel of, of trust and, and sharing and, you know, reciprocity and all those things. You created that vessel. So it allowed us to come in and feel okay. Ivy? Um, I would say that I could definitely feel that as the curator in the gallery space and the co-curators and artists didn't deviate from their core. And I think that is really strong. And I, I would bet that if they had to even deviate a little bit, they wouldn't have done it. And they would have waited until they could fulfill all of the core values because it seems like um, the intentions are very genuine in trying to respect, like, um, even the space and where we are at and like acknowledging everybody by name and and just that's not necessarily generous but it is actually in the world we live in very generous to even acknowledge and, and give space for that and so I just really respected that and I could feel it and then on a smaller level um, being the respondent for Maria and even how we were operating in Brooklyn like we trusted each other so much it's like alright done we're going to have it this week maybe we'll show up and then like there was no communication and then we just showed up and and it's because I know those people. And even though I don't know certain aspects, I can feel it. And I'm just like, and I also want to impress Maria and Esther. <laughs> like, the amount of respect that we have for each other is so interesting. And I feel like it just trickled down from the top. And hopefully it trickled back up, you know. And so that's something that's really powerful. Because sometimes things are shiny and beautiful. And you think, okay, we'll just sweep it up. But it's like, wait. Let's really look at the core and then the, that because that's what you're putting into the world and it's not going to come back. So I, I think for the listeners, that's like something trust that deepness inside of you and follow your core and it will be something wonderful, I think. Mm. Well, that that will be the last thing on the podcast unless anybody else wants to have a zinger. <laughs> Thank you all so much. Mandalik <laughs> ma